0: Well hello, Pastor Matt here, just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Good morning. We're so happy that you decided to tune in with us this morning for NLBC at Home. Um, Go ahead and grab your Bible. Let's flip over to Colossians chapter 3. And uh, while you're flipping there, um, in case this is your first time tuning in with us, I want to kind of set your expectations, let you know what you can kind of expect this morning. Here at New Life Baptist Church, part of our motto is that we are devoted to Scripture. Scripture. And so in that, in that pursuit of being creatures of the Word, we do hear what's called sequential expository preaching. So that's just really fancy language for going through the Bible and drawing out the divinely um, inspired, intended meaning of the passage. So what that means is we're going to go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and just look at what the Word of God has to say. So, we are right now in a series in Colossians. Uh, We have entitled this series, Christ is All. And today, we're actually going to look at the verse that that title comes from. So, it's not something that we just came up with. It's actually from the book of Colossians, Christ is All. So, without further ado, let's try something a little bit different. If you would, right where you're at in your home... Grab your Bible, stand up with us as we read the Word of God. We're going to be reading Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 11. This is the Word of God. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we thank you so much For this opportunity to gather here around our screens and open up your word and um, hopefully hear from you today, God. Lord, I stand here as just a man, every bit as prone to sinfulness as anybody else. So God, I pray that in this moment, Lord, that, that you would empty me of myself, Lord. And that I would serve as nothing more than just a vessel that you use to get your word to your people. Father, I pray that you do the work in all of our hearts that is necessary, that we may receive the seed of your word, that it may bear much fruit in our hearts and in our lives unto your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So we're going to hit the ground running this morning. Um, As we look at verse 5, I I do want to spend just a, a brief moment to kind of remind you um, of, of last week, what, what we said that uh, what Paul was talking about in that moment was that he was about to start dealing with Christian living, teaching on Christian living, what it means to be a Christian, things that you should are to do and things that you are not to do, but before he ever gets to dealing with Christian living, that he would be dealing with Christian thinking setting our minds on things above, seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated. And so through that we drew away three focuses for the Christian's mind, and that was to to remember what Christ has done, to live in view of what Christ has done, and to look forward to the day that Christ returns and takes us back home with Him. So now today, As we move forward, now we're actually dealing with, as you saw in this text, we're actually going to be dealing with some real sins that that are are real in this world, that the people actually really do deal with. And so in in order to do that, we need to keep in mind that what is most important, the prerequisite here is at the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1, where he says, If then... You have been raised with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ, put to death that which is earthly in you. That is our prerequisite this morning. So notice that he's not writing to, uh, as we said last week, he's not writing to church leaders or to addicts or to anything else. He's simply writing to people who have been raised with Christ after having been buried with Christ. So that's where we are this morning. Put to death that which is earthly in you. I want you to notice that Paul does not specify that if... Perchance you struggle with these things, or if on the rare occasion you catch yourself thinking about earthly things or dealing with earthly desires, then do this. No, what what Paul says is that this is a sweeping statement that encompasses the entirety of the body of Christ. It's for all of us. It's for you, it's for me, it's for anybody who wants to go by the, the name Christian or child of God is to put to death that which is earthly in you. For all of us, it matters not how long you've been in church, how many years you've been saved. If you got saved at five years old and, and you've been living a faithful life till, uh, and, and you're now in your 70s, The message to you is the same. Put to death that which is earthly in you. I would like to take a moment to quote John Owen. He's known as the the prince of the Puritans. And he wrote this book in the 1600s that has stood the test of time because of the realities that are in this book. It's called The Mortification of Sin. And in this book, John Owen says... The choicest believers who are assuredly freed from the condemning power of sin should also make their business all of their days to mortify the indwelling power of sin. That is to say that we, we have been freed from the condemning power of sin, but still sin remains the sting of sin, that is the punishment of our sin, the condemnation that comes from sin, that has been removed and extinguished by Calvary's cross. However, we still are in these earthly bodies and sin remains within us. And this is where the exhortation comes to put to death these earthly things that you find in yourself. Now this idea of of putting to death literally means to stop a state or activity with lethal determination, to cut off any energizing power. We can think of it in today's context as uh, cutting off life support, that, that we're malnourishing something. This is the putting to death of the earthly things that we find within ourselves. The idea is well illustrated by the image of, of not feeding something until it dies, namely a plant. Think about plants that don't go, that don't get water or don't get sunlight. You know, that, that ivy that's probably sitting in your house somewhere and it's just wilting up and curling up into a big brown mess, right? This is the idea of putting it to death is that we're starving this plant and what happens is that, that the, the, the leaves begin to dry and you see the, the leaves wilt and they, now they begin to droop uh, before too long. That, that brilliant green color turns into a, a, a dark brown and, and it's shriveled up and it now becomes brittle to the touch and it'll crumble in your hands. Unfortunately, this is The spiritual condition of many people in our churches today is that we're starving the new spirit, this new man that is within us, while we're feeding the earthliness within us. Let me ask you this morning, and I want you to really think about this What are you starving, and what are you feeding? think about it think about your thought life think about how you spend your free time what is it that you are starving and what is it that you are feeding Romans 8:13 says for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live You can take that to the bank. That is a promise for you on both sides of the coin that if you walk according to the flesh, live according to the flesh, sow to your flesh, constantly seeking earthly things with your mind set on earthly things, you will perish. But if by the power of the Spirit you set your aim to put these things to death, you will live. What a brilliant promise we have as children of God. So Paul says that which is earthly in you. Paul says to, to put these things to death. I want to reiterate here that there is not one among us who can claim sinlessness or that they do not struggle with anything. 1 John 1.8 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What he is writing here to the Colossians is that you do have earthliness in you. It's it's there, and you need to put it to death. You have earthliness within you, and it needs to die. Notice then that these sins are indeed of the earth. They are earthly actions, thoughts, and desires, and they are within you. Let's look at the first five sins that Paul lists off here. He starts off listing sexual sins. He says sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. These all have a sexual connotation. They encompass not just the act of of sexual immorality, but they also encompass the desires and the thoughts that accompany it. You'll remember Jesus' teaching from Matthew 5, 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's not just about the action. It's about the heart. Where is your heart? Where is your thoughts? Where are your thoughts? What is, what is consuming you? What are your desires? What is that, that passion that is welling up within you? This would include those websites that you know you shouldn't be visiting. Or those pictures on on Facebook or, or, or Instagram or in those magazines or whatever it is. Any sort of action that causes you to lust or feeds that sexual desire within you. Paul says here, put that to death. Men, so many shows that are geared towards us, even just your regular sports shows are oozing with with sexuality and they are full of sexual themes put these things to death women you are not excluded from this this certainly counts you as well there's plenty of content that is geared towards a female audience that is equally riddled and oozing with sensuality Paul says here that if you have been raised with Christ, put those things to death. Young people, this culture will tell you that it's, it's a good thing to, to sleep around, to have multiple partners, that you need to live it up. Live it up. How will you know what you're missing out on? But this is a lie. Reject this lie. Your worth and your value does not come from how many sexual partners or encounters you have had. No, your value comes from the Lord Jesus Christ spilling His precious blood to make you clean and call you His own. If you are in Christ, put these things to death. Now let's remember that Paul is speaking of putting to death that which is earthly in you. There is indeed, there indeed is a time and a place for, for sexual desire. There is. It is within the confines of holy matrimony between a man and a woman. Our culture tells us otherwise. I know it does. It started off with us as a society years ago becoming okay with Sex outside of marriage. Well, it's okay for you to do this as long as you're committed to this person and, and you love this person. Then it's okay. You don't have to wait for marriage. All you need is the presence of love. And then it moved to now it's, it's okay to have multiple partners. And now it's free love. Have, have at it. Have fun. Go live it up. Go, go do as much as you please. And then as our society continued on the downgrade, lowering our standards further and further down, now we as a society are accepting of of homosexuality. And now we're at a point in our human history where we encourage just casual sex. We, We champion homosexuality and we make heroes out of transgenderism. And as though that were not bad enough, we dump gasoline on this forest fire by what we call the woman's right to choose. Really, what is really meant by that is that a woman should have the right to have consequence-free sex in this day and age, even at the expense of an unborn child. But make no mistake, there is no such thing as consequence-free sin of any sort. For the man or for the woman, there is a day coming. As we look at verse 6, he says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It's coming. Do you know why Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to you who call good evil and evil good. And we absolutely see that in our culture today. But it is because of these sins that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. There is a great day of judgment coming in which the Lord's wrath that has been stored up and is kindling and is, and is burning hotter than ever. Will be poured out against all righteousness like a mighty tempest. As a breach in a high wall. His fury will pour forth and completely extinguish the sons of disobedience. On that day the opportunity for us to put to death that which is earthly within us will be gone. And it will be the Lord who is putting to death all that is earthly. He will flood the earth with his righteous indignation in such a way that will make Sodom and Gomorrah look like a small town's 4th of July fireworks display. This day is coming, as it says in verse 6. The day draws near And as if that were not enough, the unrighteous then will be cast into the lake of fire where they will be forever tormented under the mighty wrath of God Almighty. Post that on Facebook, won't you? Verse 7. But before you and I are tempted to get too high and mighty, and look around the world, and and look down the top of our nose, and say, can you believe this culture? Can you believe these sinners out here? Read verse 7. He says, you too. You once lived in this. You were once this way. You too. Not just them. You're a sinner just like they are. We all are. And if not for the sovereign grace of God scooping us out of that life and rescuing us with his mighty saving hand, you and I would be there still abiding under the wrath of God. So thank the Lord for his grace. Thank the Lord for his mercy that he would choose to save us despite us. Let's not forget that it's only the Lord's sovereign grace and His restraining hand that keeps you and I from doing the same things. Think often of where the Lord brought you from. And I don't mean to look back in the form of self-loathing. I mean just think about what God has done, where, where He's taken you from. What, what immediate danger and, and, and absolute annihilation He saved you from. And upon thinking on that, allow that to produce praise and worship in your heart unto His name for His glory. Now let us be very aware as we look at verse 8 that we are still in these bodies of flesh that are marred by sin. We're still down here. Though we have been saved from the condemning power of sin, yet are we being saved. It is an ongoing saving from the indwelling power of sin. We have work yet to do. We must put to death and put away our anger, our wrath, our malice, slander, and obscene. Talk. We have to be ever putting to death the desire within us to become angry or wrathful or to slander someone's name or their character or to engage in gossip or obscene talk. These things have no place in the life of a child of God. As this word says here, we must put these things to death. And be done with them. Put them away. And we must not lie to one another. Because lying comes from the father of lies. Of whom we were once children. But now we are new creatures born of truth. So let us speak the truth to one another in love. Let us not be content with with white lies and and, and with little silly lies. Well, well, it's just a little fib here and there. That is of your old nature. Put that to death and put on the new nature. As we look at the second half of verse 9 and verse 10, I want you to know that this is not only necessary for us to do, but it is possible. Because there might be some that are listening this morning and they're saying, man, this is, and how in the world could I possibly live this lifestyle? This is asking a lot. But we are told to do all of this because we have put off the old self with its old ways and have put on the new life. In other words, that's not you anymore. That's not who you are now. Thanks to the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit, at one time indeed you were walking in sin. At one time you were a child of wrath. At one time you indeed were a son of disobedience. But now you have put... Off the old man with his deplorable practices and and desires. And now you are to walk in this new life that was purchased for you by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I love that this church is called New Life Baptist Church. I am fond of the idea of a new life. As I was ever so desperately In need of one. So there was definitely a time when I was alive to my sin while simultaneously dead in my sin. What this means is that I was actively engaged in my sinful nature and I was as good as dead to the realities of heaven, completely deaf to the message of the gospel. I was blind to the beauty of Christ. This means now. Now that I am saved by God's sovereign grace. Now that the day has come that he knocked down the wall to my tomb with just a shout, calling me out into newness of life, now that I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ, what this means is that now I am alive in Christ and dead to my sins. That's not me anymore. And if you are in Christ this morning, the same is said of you. This means that we must render those old ways practiced by the old man as good as dead, as useless, as lifeless, just a corpse, and throw them off like a garment, like taking off a jacket, throw it off and pick up the new nature that is yours in Christ and don your new righteous robes now this only happens by the regenerative work of the holy spirit i ask you have you this regeneration have you this newness of life Has the love of God been shed abroad in your heart? Has the Lord done such a work in you to cause you now to, to hate the sin that you once loved and to love the righteousness that you once hated? Yes or no? And if the answer for you this morning is no, then I plead with you to be reconciled to Christ. You see, this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, was sent forth in love by God the Father. And he was born as fully God and fully man. And he lived in such a way that he did nothing but kill the earthliness within him. And he walked a perfect, blameless life. The life that you and I were supposed to live, but that we are absolutely incapable of doing he went to the cross as a spotless, blameless sacrifice. And on that cross, he was nailed to that tree. He bore your sins. All, even all of the sins that are mentioned here in this passage, he bore them in his body on the tree. And in that moment, the wrath that verse 6 says was coming was poured on his own son, and he was extinguished. The Son took all of the wrath that was due you. And then He died. But He didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day and He now sits enthroned above at the right hand of the Father, where He has been given the name above every other name Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you. If you this hour, no matter how deplorable your lifestyle has been, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter what condition you find yourself in this morning, if you will abandon your sin and repent of them and put all of your faith in Jesus Christ and His perfect work, the scriptures say that you will be saved then you too will be able to live this new life, casting off the old man with his deplorable practices. And it is here in this new life as we see in verse 11. It is in this new life, this new beautiful life purchased by the blood of Christ. It's in this new life that we have, thanks to God, That it no longer matters what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what religious background you used to be in or what your socioeconomic status is. Or as verse 11 says, it doesn't matter if you're Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised or barbarian or Scythian or free. All that matters is that Christ is all and that he is in all. He is the great equalizer. He declares us all on the same playing field of unrighteousness and then brings us all into the same righteousness by His atoning work on the cross. Indeed, Christ is all. As we wrap up this morning, I want to leave you with three essentials for your war On the flesh. Three essentials for your war on the flesh. Number one, walk according to the Spirit. The war against our earthliness is an impossible victory without the Spirit within us. Let us remember that the prerequisite for this section was that if you have been raised with Christ. If you are in Christ, you have been given the immeasurable gift and blessing of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Spirit working in you that causes you to desire your new life, to desire righteousness, and to to now be at war with the old life, and to even have the ability to put off the old life. It is the Spirit that empowers you to do all of this. Without the Spirit, no matter how valiant your efforts, they are all null and void. Thus, we must walk according to the Spirit. And by the Spirit's power, we will be more than conquerors. That is a promise for the child of God. Number two, be renewed. Though killing sin is primarily a work of the Spirit, this does not then absolve us of our responsibility to be killing sin. You know Romans 12 too. It says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we saw it here in our passage too that this, this new man, this new nature that we have is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. The Lord has preserved his precious, inerrant, infallible word for all of us through all time, from generation to generation, that we might know him, that we might know his nature, that we might not, that we might come to know our nature and that we may learn how to live lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called. We must be in this book. Christian, listen to me this morning. There is no more time for excuse to not be in here. This is life. This is your only weapon. How can you fight in a battle without a sword? The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Jesus Christ himself, being tempted in the wilderness, wielded this weapon as he met all of Satan's temptations with, It is written. And the more that you and I get this word into our hearts and into our minds and and keep it on our lips, the more and more we will have all that we need to fight our flesh. We will learn to think biblically and to think heavenly thoughts as we think about things above. And lastly, certainly not Least important, look to Christ. We deal death blows to sin by choosing Christ over and over and over and over again. As we choose Christ, understanding and believing in our hearts that Christ is all, we effectively starve the earthliness that is within us Are you convicted this morning that you have been feeding your flesh and not killing your earthliness? Then, beloved, look to Christ. Look to Christ. Herein lies the real secret of battling the flesh. It is not simply in saying no to the flesh and saying no to temptation, but rather it is in saying yes to Christ. Don't misunderstand me. We, we absolutely do deny our flesh, and we do say no to our flesh, but we do that by choosing Christ, by turning from sin, and instead looking to Christ. I think about it this way, that whenever I knew that, that Gabby was the woman meant for me to marry, and I said yes to her in marriage, What I have effectively said and what anyone has effectively said in their marriage is no to everyone else and no to any possibility of of seeking someone else and no to ever leaving. This is what we do when we choose Christ over our sin. Often in our war against the flesh, we get this image of God that That he's this cruel authoritarian and he's standing over you with a hammer. He's just ready for you to mess up so he can rain down on you. But if you are a child of God, I want you to know this morning that that is not true. That there is no condemnation for you. That you might struggle, and yes, your sin is still a problem, and yes, it still needs to die. But even those sins, too, were covered by the blood of Christ. What the scriptures paint for us is this exalted picture of Christ. That we would desire him as more worthy of our time, of our affection, of our desire and devotion, than anything that this world has to offer In seeing that that Christ is all, we see that He is He's better than my sin. He's better than the moment of gratification that I will get from from sexual sin. He's better than that moment of pleasure that I will get when I when I finally tell that person off. When I look to Christ, I see that, that he is better than it all because Christ is all. Thus Let us walk in step with the Spirit as He leads us to put to death that which is earthly within us. Let us put away all of our misplaced desires and grow in our knowledge of Christ. Let us keep our eyes on Him and learn to live lives that display the infinite value of Christ in us. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much that you have made it possible for us to fight sin, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, that you you have brought us from death to life. I thank you that we have a new nature within which that we can walk. And Lord, we long for the day that we will be done with sin entirely when we will look upon you and we will see you as you are and then become as you are. Lord, right now we see in the mirror dimly, but we long for the day when we will see in full. And until that day, Lord, we groan with all of creation waiting for the renewal of all things. Lord, I just pray that you keep us, that you guard us. Lord, that you show us the reality of, of, of the dangers of our sin, that we would kill them before they grow, that we would kill them, that we would be ever fighting, Lord. Give us the perseverance that comes with the, the that we need for this fight, Lord. And keep us until the end when you present us before yourself, spotless and blameless. I thank you for all of this, and I ask you for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.